Praise the Lord. This is Reverend Rosemary with you this evening. As we thank God for bringing us together again for another time of study of his word. We are going to open our lesson with a word of prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you, Lord, for joining us together. Oh, God, for the study of your word that is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We thank you for the working of your Holy Spirit in us to open the eyes of our understanding so we may see wonderful things in your word and for enabling us to be doers of the word. And because you watch over your word to perform it, we thank you that our lives will be changed and transformed into vessels of honor for your glory. We praise you and we worship you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hallelujah. Well, today's study is entitled Christ Reign and Victory Manifested Through His Church. Amen. Christ Reign and Victory Manifested Through His Church. In other words, Christ's victorious reign, amen, that is being manifested through his church. In our last lesson, uh, actually lessons in the plural, we looked at um, a study entitled Heaven's Reward System in light of the Lord Jesus urging us towards action as we await his return. And the Lord has given us this charge. He says to do business until he comes. Doing business implies uh, doing kingdom work, the work of his kingdom that is evangelizing, uh, edifying others, uh, working for towards the kingdom. Amen. And then the, the Bible also mentions the fact that the night is coming. And therefore, in, in, in light of uh, the, the, the night that is coming, uh, we have to understand that it is time for us to work. Uh, already, as we mentioned in our studies, in our past studies, we see the darkness intensifying and it will fill the earth as the Bible tells us. And um, truly it's gonna take dedicating dedicated uh, Christians to pursue their assignment. And there is no escaping of the adversity that is awaiting each um, person, each believer, uh, if we choose to follow the path of Jesus. Uh, the stakes are high and uh, the rewards, the eternal rewards are priceless. And uh, the background of this is that uh, we have a, a vicious enemy who has come, as Jesus says, to steal, to kill, and to destroy, to destroy uh, the influence of the church and wreck uh, the believers, God's assigned mission. 
and as far as the enemy or Satan is his name, the Bible calls him Satan. Uh, as far as he's concerned, we are a threat. We, that is the church uh, of Jesus Christ. We are a threat and therefore we need to be stopped. But because of the cross, let us be assured that Satan is a defeated foe. God has empowered his people to work with him to advance his kingdom on earth. And one major factor that will propel us to await the return of Jesus and do business until he comes the way that he has commanded us, commanded us to, um, to be successful and uh, to do it with the right motivation is centered in our realization or our understanding that Christ already reigns as king or as ruler of the universe and he will continue to reign forever. Amen. You know, and uh, as the whole Christian world prepares to, to celebrate um, the, the day of the resurrection of Jesus, which we call Resurrection Sunday, uh, today's lesson is a reflection on what the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ has accomplished in our lives towards the advancement of his kingdom here on the earth. Amen. So uh, we are going to focus on Christ's reigning victoriously uh, now and forever and our identification with him. And, uh, you know, to, to grasp what Satan sees when he recalls uh, the aftermath of Calvary, what we normally call, refer to as Christ's finished work, it is, is essential for us to get a, a grasp of what happened. We must know that the enemy, that is Satan, remembers an empty tomb where the seed of the woman, that is Jesus Christ, gave him, Satan, a permanent bruise on the head. And this is in fulfillment of uh, Genesis chapter three and verse 15, which is the first messianic prophecy where God told the serpent, the serpent here being the devil uh, or Satan, and God says in Genesis 3, 3 and verse 15, um, Genesis 3, verse 15, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and you shall bruise his heel. Amen. So we see here that the bruising of the head of Satan is what we are, uh, what we call the, the, the finished work of the cross. And we're going to, in this study, explain what has happened, amen, and what we, the Church of Jesus Christ, uh, how we factor into uh, this equation. In Ephesians chapter one, Paul, Paul's prayer for the church 
of Ephesus enlightens us to some aspects of the power involved in Christ's resurrection and how that power is connected to the believer. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter one, and uh, we are going to read from verse 17 to verse, uh, I believe, 23. Ephesians chapter one, verses 17 to 23. And this is called Paul's prayer, again, for the church of Ephesus. And this is what he prays, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us world who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of, the, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, uh, again, this is Paul praying for the church. And we see in the uh, first two verses, 17 and 18, that he, his prayer is that their spiritual eyes be open, that they get a revelation of the hope that uh, of their calling in Christ. Amen. And he even speaks of the riches of the glory of his inheritance, that is Christ's inheritance in the saints. Amen. And then he goes on in verse 19. And this is Paul being used by the Holy Spirit to reveal to the believers the tremendous or even immeasurable power of God, which he calls in verse 18, the exceeding greatness of his power to us world who believe. Amen. So there is a power, an exceeding great power that God makes available to those who believe. And then Paul goes on to say in um, the second part there of verse 19, he speaks about the, the, the standard to measure, amen, uh, the, the, this power of God available to us in our lives, amen. And he describes it as the, this power, which is like the working of his mighty power, which he wrought or exerted in Christ. And he goes on to say, you know, as he, as he flows in verse um, 20, he speaks about the, the power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. 
Amen. So this is the power that is available to the body of Christ. Uh, if we look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 11, we will see that that verse reaffirms the greatness of God's power resident in the believer. Amen. I mean, there is a lot to these verses, but we are focusing tonight on the power that is available to the church. In verse 11 of Romans 8, it says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit, his spirit that dwelleth in you. Amen. So this is very clear here that the spirit of Christ dwells in us. Amen. And it is the same spirit that raised Christ up from the dead. Hallelujah. So uh, the same power that raised the dead body of Jesus from the tomb and exalted him to the highest place in heaven is available to us as believers. Praise God. Now let's continue to look uh, into Ephesians chapter 1. Amen. We're going back to that passage where Paul then goes on to depict the level of authority to which God has raised us. Amen. And he goes on to say that God has seated, amen, Christ at his right hand in the heavenly realms. And we are looking at verses 20 and 21. Again, we're going back to that passage, Ephesians 1. And he says that God seated Christ at his own right hand in the heavenly realms, far above rule, rulers and authorities and powers and dominion and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one that is to come. Amen. So we see that Christ has been exalted far above all other forms of rule or authority or power in the whole universe. Amen. And, um, you know, he is not merely above them. He is far above them, we are told. And so he is above all rulers on the natural plane or on the human plane, such as uh, presidents, kings, um, you know, self-proclaimed dictators, or whatever other titles they may have, uh, they may have, amen. And Christ is also above all spiritual rulers and authorities in the unseen realm, amen. And one of his many titles is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. So whatever king may exist on the earth or whatever Lord may think um, that, you know, he is lording over, um, you know, on this planet where or, well, it has to be on this planet or human can only be on this planet. Amen. Well, Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. And we, we understand as we study the Bible that um, 
for example, in Ephesians chapter six, which is this great chapter there on spiritual warfare, it speaks of principalities, it speaks of powers, of rulers and spiritual wickedness in high places. And it speaks of this with reference to the kind of power and authority that Satan seeks to exercise against uh, God's people, against God's purposes. And though these are real and we have reason to oppose them, amen? Uh, actually, we have to oppose them, but we must continually bear in mind that the power and authority bestowed by God upon Jesus is on a far higher level. He is above all. And Paul gives us this good news in verse 22 of Ephesians 1, 1 that God placed all things under his feet, that is Christ's feet, and appointed him to be the head over everything to the church. Amen. So we see that um, these last three words here, to the church, are of great importance. Uh, the word to here could be also substituted for, uh, for, for the word for, F-O-R, amen? In other words, he, he has been made, made the head over everything for the church or to the church. And so Jesus is seated in heaven on our account to represent us, to watch over us, to ensure that God's purposes and promises for us are worked out unfailingly. Amen. So in other words, what he purchased, what Jesus purchased on Calvary, the full, the full package, the finished work of the cross, he is making sure that nothing is unfulfilled in the life, lives of those who put their trust in him. Hallelujah. So that he is enforcing the full package of what he purchased on Calvary. This means that no human or satanic opposition or hindrance can ever frustrate the promises and the purposes of God um, on our behalf. Why? Because Jesus is the head over everything for his church. And it is important for us to realize that. Now, mind you, the Bible doesn't say that we will not have warfare. That's why we just mentioned here that, you know, such words as, you know, the, the Bible describes the opposing forces as principalities, pop, powers, rulers, and spiritual wickedness in high places. You know, um, yes, we are facing warfare. However, we have to be established, amen, in the understanding of what Jesus did on the cross, that he has defeated Satan. Satan is eternally defeated, amen. This is who is engaging us in warfare. And all we need to do is how to fight back, how the word of God tells us that we are to fight. 
So we see that, you know, the church is uh, the primary object of Jesus's care and concern. Uh, all his power and all his authority are exercised on our behalf. Uh, and not only is he seated in heaven, but he is going to remain there from now on and forever. You know, the Bible says, speaking of um, the reign of Jesus, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 25, that he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. Amen. Hallelujah. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. Well, somebody must, might ask, well, if he's reigning, how come the enemies are still present? Well, we're going to develop that, amen, in this study. But we have to first receive this by faith, amen? It is by faith that we understand that no matter what happens on the earth, that Jesus is ruling and reigning. He will never abdicate his throne to which the father has raised him. He is reigning now and he will continue to reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Amen. We have to remember that the just lives by faith. So we are not to look at what is happening around us or what is happening in the world to decide whether or not Jesus is reigning. He is already on the throne reigning. And as we are going to see in this study, we are also reigning with him. So we are not to focus at the attacks of the enemy. Hallelujah. We are, we are to focus on his victory. Amen. Of which he has made us partakers and he has called us to rule and reign with him. Praise God. So not only has Jesus been exalted above all other forms of authority and power by the Father, but the revelation of the word of God takes us one important step further, is, and it is that Christ shares his authority with his people. Amen. And this concept is expounded on by the Apostle Paul, um, if, we, if we turn to Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verses 4 through 7, we are going to read what, um, how Paul unfolds this truth to us, that we are sharing in Christ's authority. Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 7, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has he quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved and has raised us up together. That's very important. Let's look at this verse. Verse six, and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. 
Amen. So we are going to uh, look at this again um, in a second, but one note that I would, I would like to inject here is that because we have committed our lives to Jesus and made ourselves one with him by faith, we see here that we are identified in everything God did for Christ from his crucifixion onward. Amen. This is the essence here of what, uh, you know, the message that I'm trying to convey, that we are identified with Christ in everything. In these verses, Paul, the Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, specifies three actions that God took for Christ and therefore for us who are in Christ. Amen. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. This speaks of the believer. Amen. So anyone who is in Christ is included here in these verses, which we just read in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. If we ought to look in verse 5, he says, even when we were dead in sin, has quickened us, that is God has quickened us together with Christ. Amen. By grace are you saved. Amen. So what one of those actions that God took, did for Christ, that he has also done for us, is that he has quickened him. Amen. Not only has he quickened him from the dead, but he has also made, quickened us. In other words, he has made us alive with Christ. Amen. Now, if we look at verse 6, um, which says that he has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. There are two things here that we see that God did, that he has raised us up together with Christ. So when Christ was raised from the dead, the one who puts his faith in Christ was also raised from the dead. Hallelujah. Praise God. And he continues to say, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So it is revealed to us that God has identified us with Christ in those three respects, that he has made us alive with Christ. He has made, raised us up with Christ that is resurrected us. Amen. And he has seated us with him in the heavenly realm, in Christ Jesus. Amen. And where is Christ Jesus seated? He is seated on the right hand of the Father. Hallelujah. On his throne. Praise God. And we are seated together with him. Praise God. And um, as we prepare to celebrate um, what, what we call Resurrection Day, amen, Resurrection Sunday, these are some of the great blessings that we must focus on, that we must remember and praise God for. Hallelujah. Praise God. Um, and this is rightly so. Um, you know, Jesus asked us to commemorate his, 
he's, he's death, amen. Um, his burial, his resurrection. I mean, the whole cross, hallelujah. We have to understand what happened there at the cross. And um, it is rightful that we call, we, we celebrate that day. And by the way, you know, Easter is not a, a, a Christian uh, word or, you know, has any kind of uh, Christian implication attached to it. If you are celebrating the resurrection of the Lord, then let's call it, let's call it rightfully so, Resurrection Day. Amen. And so um, we see that Jesus is seated on a throne. And when we are seated with him, we are enthroned with him. Where he is, we are. And just as he's seated far above all authority and power, uh, we are seated with him also far above all authority and power. And just as he rules, we rule with him, not in the future, but we rule right now. Amen. And the truth of the, Christ, to, of the Christian um, sharing the throne with Christ actually is stated in Romans chapter 5 and verse 17. And I'd like to read that verse. Uh, Romans 5 verse 17 says, um, if by one man's offense, death reign by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Amen. I am sure that none of us has any doubt as to the fact that death reigned on the earth by one, which is Adam. Amen. We all descended from Adam and we were all born with that sinful nature. Well, we, if we can accept that fact, why can't we also accept the fact that now that we have accept, we have received the, this abundance of grace that the Lord Jesus has brought to us, amen? And his gift of righteousness, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, that he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Hallelujah, in him that is Christ. So we have received the gift of righteousness. So if you can believe that we came into this earth with the Adamic nature, a sinful nature, but now that we've turned our life to Christ, who has brought us through his abundant grace and given us this gift of righteousness, why is it so, believe, so hard for us to believe that, that portion of scripture that tells us that we shall also reign in life by one that is Jesus Christ. Praise God. So if we were sinners and now have been made righteous in Christ, the next thing is that we reign with him, period. It is settled. Amen. So when we are identified with Jesus Christ, we reign with him in life just as he reigns we reign just as he is on the throne, we share the throne with him. And this is not blasphemous. We just took it right from the scripture, Ephesians 2 verse 6, that says, telling us that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. This is important for us to realize as we go into the future. Amen. And uh, let's go ahead and take 
um, this truth one step further, amen? Um, and this other step shows us that if we are to reign with Christ, amen, that Christ is the victor, it means that continuous victory is ours. It's not victory today and defeat tomorrow, you know, like a yo-yo up and down, up and down. No, we are to experience continuous victory. Christ exercises his authority through us, through his church, his believing people, and makes continuous victory for us. Hallelujah. And we see this, for example, as we turn to Psalm 110, amen, uh, and we're going to look at just the first two verses of that psalm. You know, that psalm was, uh, is quoted more often than any other passage from the Old Testament. Um, and um, Jesus himself quoted these verses. So let's go ahead and read there from Psalm 110, verses 1 and 2. Uh, the Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thine footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. Amen. There is a lot more to this verse, but we won't have time in this study to look at that. So we'll just focus on these first two verses. Uh, so going back to verse one. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Amen. So the Lord here is God the Father. And it, it, this is a, a Psalm of David. And he says, the Lord says to my Lord, my Lord here is, David is referring to the Messiah. In other words, Jesus. So God the Father says to the Messiah, amen. After his death, and he's referring now to a moment in time which addresses the after the cross, amen? So after his death and resurrection, he says, sit at, to, he has made him to sit at his right hand until he makes his enemies a footstool, amen, for his feet. And so we know that this has already been fulfilled. Jesus is already seated at the right hand of the Father. So this verse one has been fulfilled. And as we saw earlier, Jesus is seated at God's right hand and he is waiting. Now he says for God to put all his enemies finally under his feet. So this is the reality of what is happening. Jesus is ruling. He is sitting at the right hand of the Father, but and he is waiting for his all his enemies, not some, all his enemies to be finally put under his feet. Amen. And go, verse two goes on to say, the Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion, rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. So what is... Uh, the, you know, the Lord telling us here. Well, if we look at those words here, such for example, the, the, the word rod, the rod, the Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. And then he says, when he does that, you're you are to rule in the midst of your enemies. 
Well, we see that a rod or another name for rod is scepter. Amen. Was the mark of a ruler in the Old Testament culture and history. Um, to understand that a little bit, uh, you know, better, let's go ahead and turn to the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 17. And we are going to read verses 1 through 4. Numbers 17 verses 1 through 4. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and take of every one of them a rod, according to the house of their fathers, of all their princes, according to the house of their fathers, twelve rods. Write thou every man's name upon his rod, and thou shalt write Aaron's name upon the rod of Levi, for one rod shall be for the head of the house of their fathers. And thou shalt lay them up in the tabernacle of the congregation before the testimony where I will meet with you. And it shall come to pass that the man's rod whom I shall choose shall blossom. And I will make to cease from me the murmurings of the children of Israel, whereby they murmur against you. Amen. So what is, uh, is happening here, the background to this is that there has been a rebellion and the people are speaking against Moses. Amen. Um, they, you know, they, there is strife, there is jealousy, and, uh, you know, they are complaining against Moses and they all want to be rulers. And so God here, he tells Moses what to do. And so God is dealing here with Moses and with Aaron, with the princes of the tribes of Israel. And what he does is that he directs um, each prince or the head of the uh, tribes, amen, um, to, um, to write, to engrave, the name of that leader of that particular house, amen, um, or the high priest of that house. And um, we find that what, happened he, what happens here is God says the man whom he chooses to be high priest, to be the ruler, the prince and ruler and the high priest, he's going to make sure that they will know because the rod that bears the person's name will blossom and will bud. Hallelujah. And so um, this is exactly what happened. The rod of the man whom God chose blossomed, it budded, and it brought forth almonds in 24 hours, whereas all the other rods remained unchanged. And that was done in front of the whole house of Israel. So there would be no doubt as to whom God had chosen. Amen. And so we see that with the name engraved on the rod uh, or on that scepter, that, that was the mark. It became uh, symbolic of the mark of a ruler, of a ruler's authority. That authority was delegated to him by God. Amen. 
and having the name of the ruler on, of this ruler engraved on the rod meant that, that the authority could not be transferred to another. It was marked with the name of the one to whom it belonged. Amen. And so this is the explanation here for the rod that the Lord says that we are, he says, send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. So now let me go ahead and look at the word Zion. Zion in the Bible speaks of the assembly of God's people meeting in divine order. So what David is essentially saying here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is that out of the assembly of God's people, the Lord is stretching forth the rod of his authority. In other words, the authority of Jesus, which is in the name of Jesus. And because of that, he rules over the nations. Amen. So through the assembly of God's people, what happens? We see that uh, what, what do God's people do? They, they make proclamations. You know, there is preaching, there is your prayers, there is their testimony. So in the assembly of God's people, God stretches forth the rod of Christ's authority over the earth. In this way, Christ through his people now rules in the midst of his enemies because his authority, the authority of Christ is in his name. As the church makes proclamation, preaches, prays, and testifies of the Lord Jesus. This is how we stretch forth the rod, hallelujah, from Zion and rule in the midst of our enemies. Notice these two truths here about rulership, that Christ is ruling. However, there are enemies on every hand. And it's not true to think that it's only when there are no more enemies that Christ will rule. Today, in this church age that we are living in, hallelujah, the body of Christ, amen, has been raised for that purpose. This is a critical period in God's dealing with the human race when Christ is already ruling, but the enemy are not fully subdued. So we are to understand that, yes, there are enemies that are active, that are working hard, that are forceful, they are ferocious, they are loud, but Christ is ruling in the midst of his enemy, exercising his authority through his people as we learn to use the authority that is in his name. So, Yes, let us be assured that regardless of the way the enemy presents himself, um, in spite of all his pursuits and activities, that the Bible declares him defeated. Hallelujah. We still have to fight them. Um, the, 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 the enemy, although their cohorts and their influence persistently, but we have to do it knowing that every battle that we face against him is already won. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is truly reason for rejoicing. Amen. 
until all his enemies. So until means that there is a, 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 a time, amen, a lapse of time. So it's not being done in one moment, one instant, gradually, as the church exercises its authority, amen, that we are putting the enemy under our feet, amen, as we use the name of Jesus. For example, notice what um, Jesus himself commands uh, his disciples to do. And if we are in Christ, we are his disciples. This is not, though he was speaking to his disciples then, but that applies to us now. Let's look at Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. This is the passage that, um, you know, we normally refer to as the Great Commission, where Jesus sends uh, his followers or his disciples as his representatives to exercise his authority on his behalf. Amen. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. Uh, and again, this is the final commission of Jesus to his disciples. Um, it says, it reads, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Hallelujah. So notice that Jesus says that he has all authority. And then he says, in my name, he says, go, therefore. Hallelujah. And if we are, there is a connection here between the authority and the command to go. And the, the connection is this, that the authority has been given to Jesus. However, he makes it now our responsibility to exercise that authority. He is going back up to heaven and he leaves us here on the earth, his followers, his disciples, amen, to exercise that authority on his behalf, amen. We accomplish this in his name, by going and doing what he has commissioned, commissioned us to, to go and to do. And as we obey his commission, he is there with us. He says, I will be with you until the end. Hallelujah. Uh, you know, the, the disciples that were there that he was speaking to, and they, they all have passed on. They, have, they are no longer here on the earth. Amen. And a new, new generations have arisen. And what Jesus means, he says, one generation after another, as you learn, uh, first of all, you become my disciples and you learn to obey my commands and you go forth, I will be with you. Amen. Because you say a disciple is not one who just hears the word and does not do it and says, I'm a Christian. No, a disciple follows the example of his teacher or of his master. So he says to us, go, and we are to go. And as we go, he says, I will be with you. So the generation before us, they did their share. Hallelujah. And the new generation came and continued the work. We are this generation who are called to continue that until the end 
of the present age until the appointed time when the Lord himself will return and put all his enemies under his feet. Hallelujah. In the meantime, we're to subdue and do everything we're called to do, little by little, step upon step, precept upon precept. Amen. And so, um, you know, that is the picture that Christ is on the throne. He is ruling, but he's ex exercising the authority that is in his name through his people as we obey him. And that will continue until the end of the present age. Hallelujah. Now, uh, one other aspect that I would like to look at, which we uh, should be aware of, is that, um, you know, there is a, a victory that was manifested um, in, in scripture that we are called to be partakers of also. And this is what we call the triumphal procession, which is referred to in Colossians chapter two and verse 15. Amen. Colossians two and verse 15 speaks again about the death and resurrection of the Lord, of the Lord Jesus. And this is what the apostle Paul says. He says, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Amen. Uh, this is the King James Version. But let me read for you what the NIV, uh, how the NIV puts it. He says, having disarmed the powers and authority, he, that is Jesus, made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross, amen. And so the spectacle that Paul, Paul speaks of here refers not to winning a victory, but to the celebration of a victory that has already been won, amen. Um, and for that, we have to go a little bit into the Roman uh, you know, empire, their history where it was a custom uh, then that if a Roman general had been victorious in a campaign that added territory to the Roman empire, then the, the Senate of Rome would vote to have a celebration to honor this general when he came home. And what they did is that they placed him in a chariot that was drawn by two white horses, and then the chariot was then led through the, the city streets, and, and the streets were lined with people, or the citizens applauding. And behind the chariot now came the prisoners of war, the people whom the general had conquered uh, as evidence in his victory. So how is this connected to us, and why is Paul using uh, this, this symbol here, because uh, when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, he triumphed over all satanic opposition, all satanic authorities and powers that resist God's people, again, as we said earlier, and resist God's purposes. And what he did is that he led them 
behind his chariot, his chariot in public display. And the whole unseen universe, that is all the angels, all you know, in heaven, and even all the demons of hell, they, they witnessed the defeat. For example, the, the, the demons in hell witnessed the defeat of their leader. The angels in heaven witnessed the defeat of Satan. Amen. He, he led them behind his chariot in public display. And the whole unseen universe applauded the, his victory. But it, it, it doesn't end there. You see, as uh, we just read from Colossians 2.15, let's go up one verse. Uh, verse 14. Paul goes on to say, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and makes manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. Amen. Um, no, um, the, the, the language is a little more difficult to understand than here than the NIV. So I'm going to read it, this verse 14 again from the NIV, which says, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. Amen. Praise God. So not only is Jesus moving in triumphal procession, but he has also called us up to ride in the chariot with him. This is the picture that Paul wants to convey. Amen. Not only is he the victor, hallelujah, not only is he being cheered, but in when we are in him, we are also riding with him in that chariot. Praise God. And we share not only his victory, but we also share his triumph, which is the celebration of his victory. And therefore, we go back to the, the, what we've been saying all along here, it has, it's, our, it's about our identification with Christ. Amen. We are not just on the sidewalk applauding. Amen. Uh, we are not the ones being led in chains. We are riding in the place of honor with the victor. And as we share his triumph, amen, something beautiful happens. And this is what he's talking about in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2 and verse 14, that God through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of himself. Hallelujah. He uses us to do that. And there is a kind of fragrance that comes out of our Christian living, a fragrance that permeates the atmosphere where we live. Amen. And it's interesting that whether people are saved or not saved, amen, they can tell the difference. That if somebody is truly a true Christian, they can tell that there is something different, but that difference is good. Amen. It's a good difference that a Christian brings the atmosphere that he carries with him, with his, his victorious living. Amen. And then um, there are two points that I would like to highlight here about this victory, that 
it tells, it says, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. So yes, God always leads us in triumph. Number one, that's very important for us. Not in defeat, not in failure. God always leads us in triumph. Amen. And then number two, through us, he spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of himself. Hallelujah. Praise God. So when we put those two together, that he leads us in, in triumph and that he spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge. So we put those two words always and everywhere. We see that there is nothing that is left undone. Hallelujah. Uh, by faith, we have to learn how to share Jesus's victory and his public triumph and be, you know, convinced, fully convinced that everything that was against us, as verse 14, uh, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 14 tells us, we're going back there. This is going to be our, our last script, scripture before we close. Hallelujah. Colossians 2 and verse 14 says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailed it to his cross. Hallelujah. So everything that was against us has been removed. It's so crucial for us to build uh, a, a stable consciousness of this victory for us to have a mental picture of a, or a perception of what Jesus has done for us, of who we have become in him, in the spirit realm. Hallelujah. Um, we must know beyond the shadow of a doubt that everything, everything, not some things, everything that was contrary to us was nailed to the cross, was buried, and that we are raised in life with Christ Jesus. And when we speak about everything contrary, we speak, we talk, you know, we are referring to things, and anything that is negative, that is not God's best for us. For example, uh, sickness, uh, confusion, weakness, death, mediocrity, lack, poverty, Amen. Uh, everything, again, that is not God's perfect will for us. So, you know, scripture tells us that for lack of knowledge, that people perish. And so we must not be of those who do not know, because the Holy Spirit lives in us if we are born again. Hallelujah. God has given us his word. And as we allow the Holy Spirit to reveal this truth to us so that it will go beyond head knowledge, but we receive revelation from the Holy Spirit about how they apply to our life. This is when we are going to see the difference, how we are going to be reigning with Christ. Amen. And we are making sin, hallelujah, and failed and smell the fragrance of his knowledge everywhere. And this is what God has called us to. Amen. And, you know, um, 
our faith must be planted on a firm foundation, on the firm foundation of who we are in Christ. And we need to understand our position of authority that we have in his name. Hallelujah. And when we do, we are able to face our enemy. We are able to speak his word. Hallelujah. Because we have a witness in our inner person, our, our inner man of what God is saying to us. And when we speak, we know that it, it will come to pass. We are told that whatever we ask in his name, that he will do so that the father will be glorified in the son. Amen. And so uh, Jesus goes on to say in John 14, verse 14, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Hallelujah. So this is a demanding or commanding prayer. Or if, if I can say it's, it's issuing commands. It's not... Um, asking the father in the name of Jesus. Jesus, here, this is Jesus saying, ask or meaning demand anything in my name, then I, not the father, I will enforce your demand. Hallelujah. And so with the spirit empowered word of God in our heart and in our mouth, when we stand in that place, knowing that this is what God has called us to do, we are acting in his place. We are his ambassadors. We are his battle axe. We are his weapons of war. We are united with him in perfect union. Hallelujah. And we are fulfilling God's plans and purposes on this earth. And this is why God the Father gave us his son. He said, God gave us his son that we might have life and life in abundance. His complete victory was won on our behalf. Hallelujah. And so when we act on this knowledge of who we are in Christ, we establish the reality of the greater one in us. And in doing so, we glorify the son. We glorify the father. Hallelujah. And we manifest his victorious reign right here on the earth. This is our calling. Praise God. Hallelujah. And God is here with us now, waiting for us to make his enemies its footstool. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, for your word to us today, for meeting each one of us, oh God, at our point of need. Father, what a privilege that we share not only your victory, but your triumph, the celebration of your victory as we are identified with you. Lord, we believe and we receive our portion of your spirit's anointing, stirring, up, stirring us up, oh Lord, to arise in faith, knowing that you are with us and that your power is at work in us, strengthening us in our inner man to rise up and fulfill our divine purpose and destiny in you. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, we take authority above all the obstacles and things which oppose themselves to our progress and advancement. And we boldly decree that the evil forces operating in this world cannot defeat us nor alter the destiny that you, Lord God, had for us in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for establishing us in your light that dispels the darkness and in truth that always causes us to triumph in Christ. We give you glory, we give you honor, and we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Now unto him that is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. We thank you for joining us tonight and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time. And also have a blessed Resurrection Day. Good night. To stop conference recording, press one. To return